Welcome to the Village Church Podcast Show. I'm Josh Patterson, joined here with Matt Chandler and the great Dr. Anthony Moore. Looking forward to our time together today, guys. We will be discussing a lot of really good stuff. Uh, One, life at the village, just kind of walking through Advent, looking at the new year, uh, what you guys are doing, what you're thinking, how we can kind of think about this season rightly, some things we want to keep in mind there, and then we'll jump into, as always, culture and theology and, and talk about movies, favorite movies, just kind of enter into that debate and then really move from there and, uh, and, and really change the whole tenor of the, of the show a bit and talk about Ferguson, racial reconciliation, Eric Garner, why it's a, a desire here at the Village Church to really press into these issues. But we're going to jump right in with Advent and uh, at the Village Church, we make this a real, a real big season. This is something that we, we slow things down. We draw attention to Advent, draw attention to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, just personally, uh, this is a sweet season for us, and this is a season where even as a family, we really dial in differently, uh, sitting around the couch, talking, mm-hmm. uh, having conversations, walking through an Advent guide. I mean, uh, it's just it's a time to reflect and a time to think about uh, how the Lord has come and how he has promised to come again. Yeah, we've, um, we've had a, a great season so far just trying to help um, my, the little hearts and minds that God's given me. Um, take their excitement for the presence and the tree and the lights and all that comes with this season and, and try to harness that excitement and expectation onto the um, first advent and then once again the second advent and so that that's been a that's honestly if i'm if i'm frank been a, a real challenge to kind of get their mind towards the return of christ while simultaneously celebrating that he he came right and and so we've lauren and i had a long conversation about how do we how do we help them understand he's coming back? Mm. Um, th- this issue that most, uh, my, my experience has been most adult evangelicals don't spend much time thinking about the return of Christ. And, and so how am I now to, to get my nine-year-old understanding that, my 11-year-old looking to the East, if you will? Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I find that if I, um, if I don't think ahead of time I'll, over any type of American holiday, I'll be in a posture of... of um, uh, just wanting to protect and wanting yeah. to a defense if I don't think ahead of time on how to shepherd my family through the holidays. So I think it's important to really sit back and consider what's Christmas Day going to look like? How are we going to draw attention to the babe and away from the presence? Otherwise, the day of, I've got all this anxiety. And Absolutely. It's hard for me to enjoy the day because, again, I'm in a posture of defense. So. Now, do you guys, Anthony, do you guys, on, on your Christmas morning, do you have uh, a type of tradition or something like that that you do? We do. We do um, a search for baby Jesus. All right. So, which can be Is funny. Is that like the elf a, on the shelf, but just different? Yeah, something like that, you know. So, so I write some type of, you know, clue game. So they, they walk up, there's the manger, it's empty, it doesn't have baby Jesus in it, and then it's got the first clue. And so then they run throughout the house, and, and each time they get to a clue, they're supposed to, you know, this one's for Malachi, who's you know, two, or this one's for Titus, who's four, Marcus is six. And so all the questions are age appropriate, of course. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's the game that we play. It's a, it's a fun tradition for it us. It sounds very Armenian. <laughs> besides that, that's it, right. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Let me ask you this, just, just realize well, on predestined who finds right, right, that's true. Okay. Of, uh, when you, with Advent. So, you know, I, I've got four kids, I'm walking through the steel here, here's what Advent's looking like for us. So we've got something every night, and we've just made it uh, real purposeful where every night this month, really through the Advent season, we're jumping into this. 
But it is, Matt, we were, t- <laughs> we were talking about this the other night. Like sometimes it feels like I'm reading to myself, you know, like I'm, oh, yeah. I'm the only one here, you know, I'm, we got one kid we're trying to get to bed. Yeah. We've got kids climbing all over me. <laughs> yes. and, uh, but there's something about sowing those seeds. There's something yeah. just rich about it. And I'm tr- by faith, I'm trusting the Lord is doing something here because at times it just feels like That's chaos. Yeah, that was totally the other night for us. Well, and the, on top of all of this, you you do you you're going to a Christmas party. All right. So then you're getting home at eight thirty nine o'clock mm-hmm. versus the ideal. Let's have dinner at six. Let's get everybody bathed and ready. Let's do Advent. Let's get everybody in bed. And right. and, and and so instead, you're getting home at eight thirty. Somebody has a worksheet left to do, mm-hmm. the, and so the there's a real chaos in that. And so I found myself having to preach myself quite a bit that, yeah, that here totally. I am. I'm trying to calm everyone down right. to look yeah. at Jesus. <laughs> and I'm, yes, I'm like trying not to snap. Right. I'm trying to. I will, and, do it again. No, and no, I have. No, no. I literally looked around two nights ago, and I'm like. I'm talking to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren's phone rang twice <laughs> yeah. during Advent. I'm yeah. like, what? Why do you have your phone? But not, yeah. I don't want to fight. But this why is do you therapeutic for me right, right now, yes. fellas. Every time right. I light the candles and the boys are listening to me, but looking at the candle and blowing it mm-hmm. and seeing which one of them can blow it out while daddy's talking. Do, do, has anybody had the fight with the kids of who gets to blow it out? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, every absolutely. Night every night. Yeah, our candle broke, <laughs> and then we have not had time to go get another candle. So it's just like, you know what we're doing? We're unplugging the Christmas tree and replugging it in. That's, that's our candle. That's right. Until we could get away and get another candle. Josh, love man, come on. Hey, man. You're depriving your kids, man. You turn all they fire back on. They come love on. it. Come on. They, they like love fire it. better than the tree. They, they do. do. There isn't a kid out there that was like, you know, instead of fire. I want to turn I off the I would like to up. turn off the lights. Hey, you, know, you know what happened? A solution was found. That's what happened. Selah. Okay. Selah. <laughs> so beyond Advent. So Advent ends, right? You move into the new season. You got the new year, and um, I love New Year's. It's a fun time. Uh, I love it uh, just relationally. Uh, it's a time where, Matt, I guess yeah. for years now, yeah. um, and I don't even know how many years, six, seven, eight years, where we have our families. Uh, no, our families have not. But us, our, <laughs> us kids. yeah, no kids, have just gotten together and celebrated the new year. And yeah. there have been some real significant years, and, and just that tradition of getting around a table with good friends, looking back, looking forward. Uh, the New Year's, it, it just, we have a time on the calendar to do that. Yeah. The exercise itself, there's nothing magical about that particular date, but that exercise of looking back and looking forward is really significant. And so I just want to talk briefly about what are some of those things that you try to do, that you want to do, that you think about just kind of as the calendar begins to roll over and look forward into a new year. What are the disciplines? What's going on in your heart? Well, I, I specifically, I'm thinking here, I don't know about the actual practices, but right now I, it's fresh on my mind. I just preached Ephesians chapter 2, um, and I'm thinking about how Paul, he begins chapter 2 reminding, this is who you were. Yep, you were yeah. dead, you were separate. And then he gets down to verse 11 and says, therefore remember. So that this isn't just something that we would think would be good practice just to kind of casually do this is i think theologically something that is part of putting wood on a fire is yeah. to really step away see god's faithfulness and how he's he's been gracious to our family he's sustained our family um things of that nature and so i, I think it's also part of a multi-generational discipleship you're trying to infuse into them hope and trust in god for when they get older and and um so so just I'm thinking on a, on a theological level there. So, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I've for years I've kind of done something very similar, and that's uh, Tim Keller and David Pallison um, wrote a, a type of inventory, kind of intellectual, spiritual, gospel inventory, and uh, I've walked through that inventory this time of year. Gosh, I, I think for the last, what, what do you think, Josh, when that first showed up on the radar? Uh, Again, seven, seven, eight years, eight years yeah, ago. What it feels like at least done that. I'll look back over kind of my own life plan. I'll have extended conversations with Lauren in this season about um, hopes for the next year. And, and then I'll, I'll try to spend a, a bit of time reverse engineering, kind of checking up on really everything from uh, is my will updated? Is totally. I mean, That sounds so strange, but that's good stewardship yep. that if something were to ever happen to me, uh, Lauren would know exactly where to go, where things were, right. what. And so I'll spend time looking at all of that. And, um, and, and then, man, we'll, we'll start praying and getting excited for all that God's going to do in 15. Like I just know right now, men and women are going to come to know Christ in this area and we're going to get to preach the gospel and make disciples. And it's going to be a profound year for us. And, and I'm to start getting that into mind that like right now, literally while the three of us are sitting here having these conversations, there's people out there that don't want anything to do with Jesus, maybe even hostile towards, and they're going to get baptized just feet from us Uh in, in front of thousands of people that cheer and, and get excited that they've given their lives to Christ and God's going to heal marriages this year and he's going to expose sin this year and he's going to heal the sick this year and we're going to celebrate people's lives this year that are yep. going to die and this will be their last year on this earth yep. and uh, all of that's coming for us this year and, and even personally there are things coming for us that we can't see. just want to humble my heart before the Lord and get ready for all that he's going to bring. So just a good word in, in closing this, this conversation, thinking about one advent, the Lord has come his presence is with us now through the through the Spirit, and then t- three, He's coming again. So yeah. thinking about the year that's before us, twenty fifteen, should the Lord tarry? That that you're right, bro. That the God God is a God of interruptions. He's going to interrupt people's yeah. lives in a variety of different ways. Some people are going to be drawn to faith. I think about myself at nineteen. He interrupted my life and came and got me. And and there are all different types of interruptions. And so for the church to be reminded, whatever that interruption is. The fact that God has already come once in that interruption of that, of that night where the, where the baby was born has made all of the difference. Yeah. Um, and, and those promises, the promises that are ours in Christ, and they're real. Yeah. And so 2015, you enter that knowing our God is faithful and our God's coming again. And so that's, that's really good news. Looking forward to, uh, to all that God has for us. And we're going to turn our attention now, just beginning to talk about... Uh, with excitement, movies. Well, uh, every December, it's the same thing. Uh, Movie studios begin to roll out what they hope not only are blockbuster hits, but also uh, are award-worthy movies. And so this December uh, is no different. In fact, already uh, big films are being rolled out by um, not just um, big companies, but but even independent films. And uh, this is the season uh, for blockbusters. And so uh, thinking about um, the movies that have already come out in 14 before we just get into kind of what is coming. Um, both you guys, movie guys, I mean, go see movies often or quasi-often? I mean, often. I like the idea of it. I don't see it often. Yeah. You know that. I mean, I just kids but we, we try to break away when we can if there's something worth seeing we're gonna see it yeah if you give us a date night we're gonna go see a movie okay we're gonna see a movie so 2014 what have you seen that's your favorite movie so far by far the equalizer 
you're going to go by far. By the far. Equalizer. Now let me let me go ahead and put this out here. I'm um, for those of you who don't know on the on the net, you can't see me, but I'm a black man, and every black man wants Denzel. someone that, wants someone to tell them that they look like Denzel Washington. Well, well, Baby, I look like Denzel Washington. Oh, my God. So every black man so, wants someone to say that to everybody him. Everybody wants. you're they, just going to say it about they, yourself. I'm going to say that about myself. I'm going I'm to slide that on out there on the table and put that out there. We're going to interact with it. So, right. I, would, I was going, what was, what was the actor that did Urkel? Steve? Steve <laughs> I don't Steve. know. You got a face for radio, bro. <laughs> that's, that's what the Lord right. gave you. So back to, so you like the Equalizer. Equalizer. All equalizer. right. Yeah. We, we saw that. It was a good we movie. Did. It was a good movie. Yeah. I liked it. A lot of... Uh, Man on Fire too. Yeah, it was Man on Fire Part Two. A lot of I uh, liked it better than Man on Fire. Again, Den- yeah. my boy Denzel. Yeah, yeah no same doubt. I love Denzel. Same plot. Right. Same. Yeah. It, was, it was great. Right. Um, Patterson, you? I th- I think my 2014 movie is Interstellar. I, I loved it. Going to see it tonight. Really? Right. Yeah. That yeah. Good? Yeah. It, it was fantastic because it it has it has the potential to not be fantastic mm-hmm. with the plot, the idea of saving the world, but they do it in a way that's very compelling. So uh, the scenes are gripping. It's long, but it's worth it. It was emotional. Uh, it, for me, it had the, the father-daughter tie to it. and No spoilers, some, bro. You don't even know who's listening to this right now. No spoilers. Yeah, hey, People are hey, upset dude, right now. Hey, let That's me just Josh let the Patterson cat out of the bag. Right there. That you've seen on the trailer, there's a dad who has a daughter. Okay. Spoiled. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's it. You love that one. Oh, I loved Interstellar. I thought yeah. it was great. liked The Equalizer also. liked Fury. Thought that was a good film. I know you didn't care for it. We but. argued about Fury. Yeah, I, I just didn't like the pace of Fury. Yeah, there I just, were some there low were just moments some, in Fury. Yeah, the, guys, it's war. But it's but it's hard. <laughs> there's there's in some, a, you know, they're yeah, in, it's a tank. What yeah, yeah that's do? right. They're not moving. There's not. I mean, they're just sitting there in dialogue. That's it. I mean, okay. So here we're talking about in in your opinions, what makes a movie good? Then so here we are going. Well, this kind of drug, and I mean, it's in a tank, but I like space. But I like so what? <laughs> what? I'm Denzel. So <laughs> if we're just talking about okay. How are we saying this is a good movie? What's the criteria for a, a good movie? So, Patterson, what, what do you got? What's, what makes a movie good? I think, that, I think it's got to start with the theme. Like, the story has to be compelling. It's, yeah. it's, it's got to be um, – there's got to be something gripping about the story. And, but it's got to be told in a way that that story has a vehicle to get out. So you can take a really compelling story and tell it in a really bad way. Um, but you know, when those two come together and you have somebody that can act, somebody that can actually deliver, then, then I think you've got a compelling piece. What I did like about Fury is I thought the acting was great. I just didn't like the vehicle in which it was told, not the tank, but the, but the pacing of it for me, I just didn't love, but the further I've gotten from that movie, the more I've appreciated it, the more I feel like I appreciated what they were trying to accomplish there. But yeah, I think when you combine... Uh, the story and the vehicle of how how that story is going to be told, then you've got something to really work with. You've got something that's really compelling. Do you ever do you ever want to just watch a movie that's just stuff blowing up? Yeah, absolutely. So not just you, you don't even need a good story. You need like Avengers. You just want to go see yeah. stuff blow up. Yeah, but that, I mean that's not going to make an award. That's just something. That's just right. I'm not going to list it as one of my favorite movies sure. you know so what about you then it's got to be character development yeah. i mean you got to be able to believe the character and then as you're watching this character develop what you really want from a good movie is you're putting yourself in their shoes going oh, i would have done this or you start to feel the moment of the movie because yeah. you're thinking as the character would and so, so that's you, what you're talking almost about being moved emotionally by the film oh yeah sure oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think I would agree with, with all of that. I, I love, on character development, um, I love when you, a director, writers can create with just dialogue stress or anticipation mm -hmm. or um so so i love a, a a director or a movie that can create me getting nervous just by listening to conversation mm -hmm. so so not like a clicking t uh, you know a, a, a clicking clock or or something exploding or a bomb that needs to but just dialogue building yeah, that's um stress or anxiety yep. or i because that's so like I, how they do that blows my mind like the ability here's what we're gonna do we're gonna film you two having a conversation and in this conversation, here's what's going to happen to the viewer. Uh, we want this to happen to the viewer. Like I'm just so yeah, the sense of anticipation. By, yes, so well, intrigued by that. For most of you who don't know, you didn't go see the movie with us, but we went together to see um, the movie Equalizer. And mm -hmm. with regards to that moment, that the moments that you're anticipating with the character, you know how they're going to respond. Every time that moment came in that movie. Matt would stand up and run around the theater. Hey, because we were the only ones in there. I don't do that like on date night or something. I just do that when I'm with my friends in an empty theater. Is that truth? Are you being it honest? Is, well, okay, one, one time what? on date night. And for anybody who's married, that you do a lot of things one time, and that, that's it. So uh, so let's do this. Let's do favorite movie. Ever. So, ever. And, and let, let's just do this. Not by category or by genre. It's just this is my favorite movie done. Man. I'm putting it on. I'll start. Yeah, I know you will because I know yours. Yeah, <laughs> it's because it's the best movie out. Godfather. It just is. So everything that we have just described, this movie has it. It's got a story. It's a family movie, dude. I mean, it's about <laughs> wow. a family. It is That's about. True. It is now. It's redefining the category, but sure. it is. It's character development. It's compelling. It's great acting. Riveting scenes. Now, it's just for me, man. That movie, it just kind of stands alone. Love it. Close second, Godfather 2. <laughs> wow. Really out of the box there. He really desires to be yeah. Godfather 2. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the truth of it. Right. I mean, that's if you could. Well, he does. We're, we are on podcast, not audio, video, but he does wear a pinky ring. But um, go ahead. Oh, my <laughs> God. Goes. A time to kill. That, okay. that moment right at the end when, uh, when Matthew says, you know, he's, he's delivering the speech. It's that one teardrop always. And he says now, Imagine that she's white. And then just, so for me, part of what makes that movie so incredible is the fact that it's dealing with some major life themes and moments. So for you, your movie is it's dealing with gangsters and shoot up and killing and things like that. No, 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 but it's no, no, no. really not getting at some Force of these heads. motivations of, of life. Okay. And, you know what I'm saying? I'm, no, I'm no, going no, I don't at your understand. movie here. No. Like, yeah, I'm not dogging your movie. you got a great movie. We, we don't have time to unpack this. We won't be able to this, unpack but, this. Okay. On the, I, I'd I'll love walk to do you this. I'm just giving reason why my movie is better than... I'll no, walk you through the job. But here's the thing about It's not about a competition, movies. bro. Yeah, Everybody's kind of bringing their life and checking out the movie and okay. through their filters through. Okay. So you you got a great movie there. Just be secure in your movie. Just be secure in it. Sure. My fanhood is not in question here. That's true. So I like both of those movies. I think if either one of those were on, I would... I'd watch it again. A, a movie that I like. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just cheat here. I don't know that I would call it my favorite, but a movie that is definitely up there is Force Gump. I just <laughs> Force Gump, man. It just I mean it went through That's these decades that were huge Fantastic decades movie. in the United States. Um, it it was great. It was Josh, good, can so. we agree at least? I mean, we won't be able to agree which one of ours is better, but at least that one's third, right? 
Like we can agree on that. So, I'm, like when I'm sitting look, at a table where the brothers at the table work for me, then I don't. It doesn't bother me at all if these things uh, work for Jesus and alongside of me. I, that's the correct answer. Plurality. Um, I'm just. I'm, I can just rest well tonight, that. regardless of what I you think about. I hear the warning there. I get it. There's, there's, there's no warning. There's no warning. No, I got it. Now, got so. Maybe if you're December listening to movies. this, pack the house. December, <laughs> December movies. You got big ones coming out. You got Exodus, Gods and Kings. I'm sure that's going to tow um, the biblical narrative tightly. You got The Hobbit. You got Unbroken, American Sniper, and Selma. Of those and others, ones you're most looking forward to? Uh, for me, it's Unbroken, uh, no question. And that, that's because the book, if, if the movie can, can hold even half of what the book sure. is, it's going to be compelling. It's literally the best book I've ever read. I'm going to say that. I've said it before. It's as compelling a read as I've ever read. And so uh, if, if the movie holds its weight, then, then I'm thrilled about that. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be The Hobbit for me. I mean, what is this now? 20 years worth of yeah. still, still telling the Lord of the Rings saga back and forth. I mean, it's just, yeah, it, by far this, this developing plot and still hearing about the characters and finding out where they're at. I mean, it, in one sense, I think they're real. Like, I'm still yeah. looking for them, you know. <laughs> um, man, if I, if I have to pick one just from this list, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to Unbroken. Also looking forward to American Sniper. He's a Texas guy, and uh, I might get some emails on that for what he did for a living. But looking forward to the story that is sure. told uh, about his life. All right, so we're going to uh, take a little bit of a break here, and then we're going to come back and, and begin to talk about really um, one of the most heated Uh, conversations going on in our country today, that one of race and and Ferguson and what happened in New York. And and really, we could list a whole bunch of different things here. So we'll be right back with that. All right. Welcome back. Looking forward uh, to this segment of the show, the last segment of the show where we're going to spend a lot of time really talking about a conversation that is happening nationally and is a conversation that needs to be happen, happening nationally. And it's really about uh, all of the issues that have surfaced around Ferguson, Eric Garner, race, uh, the racial divide, the seeming reality. And it's not seeming. It is the reality that there is division. There are uh, there is heartache. There is brokenness uh, systemically, personally uh, around our nation as it regards uh, race. And so looking forward to this conversation, it, it is a healthy exercise for us to engage in it. And it's a necessary exercise uh, for the church to be uh, taken part in. Anthony, give us a little bit of background and, and uh, you know, I introduced you briefly as we started the show. But you, you came on our staff in, in August. You're the Fort Worth campus pastor an elder here at the church and uh, have just been a real joy to serve alongside. But give us a little bit of background and then we'll we'll jump right into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm from Mexico, Missouri, which is not far from um, um, Ferguson at all. And so predominantly black context. And it's really racially divided there, too. I mean, it's um, everything's referred to as cross tracks. And so from there, a lot of gangs, a lot of drug infested environment, my father wanting better for us, worked several jobs, moved us out, moved then into what would or could be considered then white suburbia, where then um, these issues, these questions have been something that have just been kind of surrounding my life, well, you know, since it's, since I can remember. I mean, I've been dealing with these issues, so. Yeah, thinking about, um, you know, as 
As Thanksgiving week, as news uh, broke about a grand jury's decision or a lack of a decision and how that was received, I just remember, you know, Natalie and I were watching the news and reading Twitter timelines and feeds and blogs and responses and, and in, in one sense, confused, you know, not, not quite sure what to think, how to think. And um, I grew up in a totally different context, right? I grew up in a pro- predominantly Anglo context. I grew up in Plano, Texas. I went to Texas A&M. I mean, I'm, I've just been around white people most of my life. And being a part of the majority culture, recognizing there are things that I cannot see. There are things that aren't as readily accessible to me. Um, but as I've prayerfully considered all that's been before us, there's been one thing that has been woefully lacking. And that has just been the reality, the simple command of the New Testament to mourn with those who mourn. You know, I saw uh, a tweet from uh, Barnabas Piper who who just said this, if you refuse to believe the accounts and feelings of 44 million black Americans, it's an indictment of your character. And it just, and that's just what I felt. I just feel like my brothers and sisters were saying, hey, we're hurting here. Hey, there's issues here. And the response in a lot of ways by a lot of the white community and even in the evangelical white community has been, yeah, but here are the facts. Yeah. You know, l- read this fact. Like, why is this offensive to you? Read the facts here. It's pretty clear. And it's almost as if that, that's not, that doesn't need to be our lead foot in this. The lead foot needs to be a sense of empathy and feeling and mourning and, and listening from our brothers and sisters. And, you know, I just feel like we have We've missed that that piece. Yeah, I mean, so for me, there's even more compelling theological reason to unite on this. If we believe our doctrine rightly, we believe that we we will dwell somewhere for eternity. Yep. Heaven with God the Father in his presence because of the Son or eternity in hell. It's We're not annihilationists. We don't believe that people just disappear. So in these situations... Men have just slipped into their eternal resting place. There's no do-over. You don't get to, wait a minute, let me get out. It's right now, wherever these brothers are at, they are forever there. So for me, the compassion as a Christian is attached to eternity. Like this, this, this stuff matters because of eternity, which then is going to direct my methodology and my pursuit for how I'm going to have questions as well. And so, so yeah, I don't think you can be a Christian and just kind of ever just glance over right. a brother who, any brothers who die or you're thinking about human life or anything. I mean, it's, it's eternity. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that when these events happen and, and they, I, I don't know all sorts of conspiracy theories and, and things right. like that, but, but it seems like this year more than ever, it, it's just been wave upon wave upon wave. Yes. Um, and, and so what, what's happening right now is because of these successive waves from Trayvon Martin uh, on into Ferguson, Mike Brown on into um, uh, the, the Gardner situation in New York is that, that it's exposing um, some ungospeled areas in, all over the place, it, not just in Anglo hearts, but, but in African American. There, there's this lack of sanctification uh, around um, the, the questions concerning ethnicity um, and, 
that I think get exposed in these situations. And I think it provides an opportunity for us to enter in and seek to understand. And uh, I I think that's the fight that has to be had, uh, an ability uh, to lean in um, and to seek to understand and and to learn and to value um, one another as brothers and sisters in Christ that that shows that what Christ has paid for, um, there's going to be a shadow of that here. Um, and, and I think even if we're reading our Bible and paying attention, that, that this issue of different ethnic backgrounds, I don't want to use the word race, but different ethnic backgrounds come together and try to do life with one another, it's always difficult. It always exposes. It always, if marriage um, does some things to speed up our sanctification because it exposes selfishness, it exposes erroneous thinking, it exposes the same has to be said uh, of ethnicities when they get together. And and, and my experience is that it, around most white evangelicals, at least their pastors, um, making the case that ethnic diversity is a theological issue tied to the gospel. It isn't a difficult thing to do, but the practice of it, the practice of doing life with one another, for many of us, feels impossible, feels like you can't win for losing. It's uh, two steps forward, one step back, and and there needs to be a deep understanding of, and, and I don't want to preach as much as I want to talk, right. but, mm-hmm. but, but a, a deep graciousness towards one another. Yeah. And I, I know one of the things we learned here at the village as we began to really fight for this and value this is um, early on, some of the African-Americans that came on staff with us would get really offended by something we did or didn't do. or And, and we just didn't know. We weren't trying to be offensive. We weren't trying to hurt anybody. We just literally didn't know. Um, and, and so where they graciously came and pointed it out, we were able to correct. And then sometimes they made it hard um, to correct for how aggressive they were in um, how, how we wronged them because of their ethnicity. And so um, that that dialogue between the two, I think, is imperative. And, and yes, it's a gospel issue. Yes, it's an e- eternality issue. But, but, but at some sense, how, how do we, Anthony, navigate, and Patterson, jump in on that, how, how do we navigate this world that's so hypersensitive? And there's history, a ton of true history that plays into this. And, and on the Anglo side of things, uh, my experience also, again, is that a lot of people think this is just solely the black man's fault mm-hmm. and, and that he should just do, why don't he just go to school? Like yeah. I went to school, why don't he just get a job? Like yeah, I went privilege to Privilege critique. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah I, I think of, you know, there's some disaster relief organizations and when they go in to try to uh, go into an area, they'll, they'll oftentimes go to the Waffle House yeah. to see when a storm comes in, they want to know how bad it is, and the first place they'll go check is the Waffle House because if the storm's really bad, Waffle House is shut down. You know, it's 24 yeah. hours, so it's, it's done. So I think race is one of those issues where you're trying to see how bad has the storm been of the gospel that's wrecked their life with regards to how they're thinking about race. Yeah. Because it's going to cost you something to actually believe that Christ has purchased for himself one family, that we are. there's not multiple races. It's one race in Christ— and so because of that, I, I can have commonality when I walk into a room, even though everyone in the room looks different from me, I can think, I can listen, I can have commonality with them because of Christ. And it's going to, it'll cost you something to yeah. believe that. Just this week, I, I, um, we, we got the, one of the connect cards, which is one of the cards visitors fill out or members fill out when they're, when they're wanting prayer to talk with pastors of the church. And, and I called the brother back and he he said, I've just adopted 
children from a different ethnicity and my family said, I don't want those kids around my kids. Yeah. Don't bring them home. And, and this is what I mean. The, the storm of the gospel has so wrecked his life, he actually believes this is the crowning glory of God's creation. This is what, this is what these babies are, right? Yeah. Right before my eyes. And I, I believe that, you know, they, they have an opportunity to faith on Christ. And, you know, because of that, um, uh, just bring God much glory. And so, so all those different things. So, so yeah, I just, I don't think I'm getting any practical things right now, but just to say that race is that issue where you can see how much do people really believe. It's one of those issues you can see people, do you really believe this gospel? It's going to cost you something to believe in. And if we can't believe that Christ has united us in this, there's no reason for us to believe any of the other claims. Yeah. Yeah, And at some level, you know, we're, we're talking about this as believers and in the church and there's, there's different layers of the conversation. There's the national conversation where the church isn't a part of it except speaking into it, but not, doesn't have the same theological understanding that we would. And Matt, you said something that, that I think is important. You use the word expose or exposure, and this has exposed something in us, meaning, hey, this, this just didn't flare up. No. This is that it's in us. It's, it's, there's a brokenness that, that kind of lays dormant. You know, you think about a volcano that it's just, it's there and it's rumbling. You put up with it for a season and, and then something happens and it explodes. And that exposure should um, reveal to us, I mean, there's some things in our hearts that they're there and they're deep and they've, they've got to be drawn out, not by, hopefully by the firestorm, um, but by good relationships and mm-hmm. there's a good healthy rub up against other people. And this goes back to, I think, a, pra- a very practical reality. And this is inside the church and outside the church. Uh, obviously, theologically, I can be compelled and understand why inside the church it's easier maybe uh, to, to drive for this. But the need for multi-ethnic relationships, Absolutely. the need to have a brother or a sister, a friend that you can you can ask the dumb questions too, that you can step into a space that's safe where you can process. And, and this, that was a, an absolute goldmine for Natalie and me, you know, cause I'm thinking, you know, I think about bloodlines and Piper's book where he says the majority culture doesn't think about race, yeah. but the minority culture, everything has racial tones. And so one of the privileges of being in the majority culture is you don't have to think about race yeah. like everybody else does. And so being able, and Anthony, you and I have gone back and forth about conversations and how we're processing this and experiences and give me your vantage point, help me understand this. And my wife has done the same thing. Matt, I know you're right in the thick of this and relationally you have outlets yeah. uh, to have these conversations. Yeah. And I think there's, there's no greater gift to any of us in regards to, for, first of all, let's put it where it is on really understanding and being mesmerized by the beauty of God and who he is and what he has done and what he is up to. Uh, And that even this tension in some ways is a gift from the Lord that will continue to expose. Um, My my experience is that it's never really over. Like, like I feel like we've made progress and, and then boom, it, it flares up again. And uh, I found myself um, in, I was in Philadelphia this past weekend and Lauren and I went to um, the Reading Terminal, uh, right downtown Philly. And there was this moment in the Reading Terminal where I looked up and I was the only, Lauren and I were the only white people in that section of the Reading Terminal. Like everyone else was uh, African-American, not, not just varying. I mean, everyone's African-American. It was Lauren and I. Uh, and it's, I felt nervous 
And I, and I felt nervous because I thought they were looking at me and thinking, what was I doing there? Um, and, and so that, that really almost ruined my weekend. Um, as we got back to the hotel and, and then I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I mean, this is anytime my brothers in in Christ step into spaces that they have to step into all the time, stairs, how easily is it going to be to translate stairs into what is he doing there? Especially with our history and our background, and so, um, well, not even not only that, but to feel like you're trying to overcome, yeah, white what might be in their mind, you know, sure. some type of negative bent towards you right. is, is most of the time the feeling that I I've got a burden to overcome what they're thinking, and but but with regards to culture in the church, they don't have the reason why you've been able to navigate this so well and see the fruit in you guys' life, both of you is because you've got the answer of Christ. Looking yeah. from a theology below, all you're going to see is the differences. You know, it's the same thing with regards to two babies. This baby may have lots of issues, and culture says it doesn't have as much value as this one that's perfect and maybe born just, you know, just right. But for us, the reason why we can see value in all of it and, and, and every baby is because of Christ. And I, I think they lack the, the ability, they lack the tools they can ask, they can raise the questions. They just don't have the tools to answer rightly, and that's because God had the Holy Spirit and Christ, things like justification, forgiveness, and so. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, the the response that we need to take to to people is the full bore gospel of that's Jesus right. Christ and what He has done and what yep. He's accomplishing. Right. And I think there are some practical things you can do in regards to building relationships, uh-huh. um, and and then even things you can do corporately. So on our our elder-led prayer in January, we've invited New Beginnings Church to come join us that night. Yeah. And so we've got um, a, an African-American congregation just going to join us to pray. And all we're going to do is pray together. Joe Fields is their pastor. He'll lead half of it. I'll lead the other half. Yeah. And we're just going to pray that that God would do a work among the hearts of people in our area and in the yeah. United States, that the gospel might transcend these issues and make us more and more and more a family. Yeah, so let me, so ju- l- like let me jump into that real quick, just because uh, we're back now talking about the village. And several years ago, as we were kind of thinking about, we, we have a month of prayer in January, that there were issues that were so gripping our hearts. Yeah. This is before Ferguson and this is before Eric Garner. This, But this issue of racial divide grip the heart of this church, uh, the elders of the church, the leadership of the church, to make a concerted press, an intentional press, a prayerful press to step right into the space of of racial division and make a plea for racial reconciliation. And so, Matt, you've preached this message. You preach, you know, we, we know that regardless of what's going on every year and then sprinkled throughout the year, but every year we're coming back to this and talk about why we're doing that. What? Well, I, again, I am driven by my understanding of what Christ died to yeah, bring about. And right. so that builds in me a confidence that not only is this possible, but it will happen. Right. Yeah. And then as a proclaimer of the gospel, what I want to be able to do is proclaim, we're going to work towards this now. Right. And it's going to be imperfect and it's going to be messy. Okay, so talk about that, the, the imperfect and the messy. So, well, it, so we're stumbling. I mean, you, we're, yeah, yeah well, you stumble forward, like, like I've already alluded to. Like I... I unnecessarily offend at times, not because I'm trying to, sure. but because I, I said something I didn't understand, or I even thought I understood it and said it, and th- they're but, still... But all of this is a part of what you would say, I think, because I, because I, I want us to be careful. Folks could listen to this, really feel compelled by this, and then 
racial reconciliation becomes the goal. Oh, see. But really yeah. what we're talking about is discipleship. And we're saying yes. your discipleship, Bonhoeffer type, there's a cost to Absolutely it. Absolutely It's is. fully, goes all the way in. And part of being a disciple is that you think well. And so that that's, you, we're discipling here as elders of the church. We're trying to press them to understand all the implications of the gospel yeah. on their life. And yes, it certainly means racial reconciliation too. You know, yeah, there, there's no doubt. And it, it's going to be a good, long, hard That's fight right. and yeah. a costly one. We've, uh, we've lost people at the village who think I touch on this subject too much. Mm-hmm. We've, and and I, it's a good, right sacrifice to be yeah. made. Um, but the answer when all said and done is a ferocious preaching of the gospel of Jesus That's Christ right. yeah. and how it lays on top of not just this issue, yeah. but hundreds of different issues. This is just one of those spaces you have to have the courage to enter into. Yeah. And my prayers that pastors would have that courage. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Dr. Anthony Moore, the great Dr. Anthony Moore. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully we'll have you on much more. It's good to be here, brother.